Hello, everybody. Welcome to Socks on Tap Draft Special. I am Johnny Nani, joined today by Tony Marchese in Tony's Garage. Tony, if nothing else, this draft was fun to watch together and drink a few beers. It absolutely was, Johnny. I know we did the uh, the draft review last year, and it was it was a little change up to what we were doing with the Socks on Tap post game shows. This feels the like the most socks on tap post game esque show that we can do here because we've only been doing Sunday fun days for a long time. It's mm-hmm. actually nice to talk about some socks news that has happened over the last two days. Johnny, I'm gonna crack a beer open. We've been drinking a little bit tonight. But we're going to review the White Sox draft. Yeah, absolutely, Tone. Uh, like you said, I think that you know I, I usually would be watching games out here in the garage, and this would be doing the post game. Uh, you know, you hear the little bug zapper in the back. Um, I'm sure you'll get some of that here as well. But uh, yeah, definitely a different feel. Um, but like you said, good. It feels Sox on tap esque. Yes. Uh, the most that we've had at least so far this season, especially with everything being you know thrown out of whack uh, due to COVID-19. So, uh, Tony, let's get into this first. Um, first thing, we, we don't know the credibility on this, but I wanted to point it out because I tweeted it from the Sox on Tap account, and it was uh, we were watching on ESPN out here in the garage. You started a couple nice bugs apps there. Oh, yeah. Told you. Told yes. you to hear them. But anyway, we were watching on ESPN out here in the garage. Bottom line, you know, they have those tickers that come across the bottom, and they give a bunch of stats about the team that is about to be drafting. And for the White Sox, one of them said they have received 18.7 war from players acquired in the draft over the last 10 years, worst of any major league club. Um, you went and looked it up, did a little research. Um, so I'll let you tell them about that. So we don't know if this is officially correct, but either way, that's so White Sox. Yes, and, and let's preface that too, Johnny, with the fact that they said that that is the lowest in the MLB. And yeah, you, and right. I, yeah. you and I have talked about this before. We've talked about this with a lot of different people, um, whether that be on the show or just in DMs or in Lot B. Uh, the White Sox were not very high on their draft picks uh, overall, if you look at the last yeah. 10 years uh, or even going beyond that. Um, but they did say 18.7 war from players drafted over the last 10 seasons. We're not quite sure if Chris Sale counts there and if yeah. they're using F war or B war because I went back, I looked up Chris Sale's stats uh, on baseballreference.com. I came up with a 30.2. Uh, war from Chris Sale alone in his time in a White Sox uniform. Um, maybe he was not included. He, I believe he was drafted in 2010 Yeah, is the information that I got when I looked it up. Could be wrong. Uh, we've had a few drinks around here tonight. Uh, but if, if Chris Sale is taken away from that, maybe it's 18.7. But either way, either way, Johnny, one player since 2010 – that's been drafted by this team has been able to put up 30 war. I think we've got a little bit of a problem. Uh, whether we're, we're drafting the wrong players or we're not developing them correctly, I know you have your takes on uh, what should happen to Chris Getz. Yeah, uh, I do. So I, I, I just, regardless if that stat's correct or not, it was fucking embarrassing. It was as, fucking embarrassing. As you like that's to say, best, it's, it's fucking embarrassing it. that they... The, the, the ticker that was going around for the White Sox was uh, zero postseason appearances since 2008. Yeah, they showed that one every time. And then uh, 18.7 war from players acquired in the draft over the last 10 seasons, lowest in the MLB. 
Not a fucking good look for the White Sox. No, not not a good look at all, Tony. I just wanted to bring that up because um, I feel like we've been uh, kind of skimping a little bit on the That's So White Sox. Granted, there hasn't been a whole lot to talk about. I mean, the whole situation that this is. <laughs> White Sox finally make some moves in the offseason. They're going to be good. Um, they're going to be competitive, at least. Um, and, and then, you know, global pandemic happens. That's So White Sox, for sure. But we haven't been able to get to these every day. That's a no. White Sox thing. So we had one. We saw it come up. Thought we'd lead with that. Um don't want to start it off too negative Nani here. Um, so let, let's just get right into the picks here, Tony. Uh, we'll go round one, which happened on um, Wednesday night. And uh, that was the 11th overall pick. The White Sox selected uh, Garrett Crochet, left-hander out of Tennessee. Uh, big guy, six foot six, 218 pounds. Um, this got a lot of mixed reaction, Tony. And I know you and I are going to have some mixed reaction as we discuss this here. I mean, first off, if I'm looking at that name and I have to pronounce that name, it's Crotchet. <laughs> um, and that's it, it, like that's how I looked at this right away is his name's Crotchet. And that's probably what I'm going to go with uh, for our time here at Sox on Tap when we're doing uh, any type of talk about uh, Garrett, Crotchet, Crochet. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll give him, uh, I'll give it right there. Cause you put the pronunciation right in the rundown. I did. Us. I did. I have just to do because, that for you. Tony. Because yeah, that's that, you know, just for me right there, Crow Shea, uh, junior out of Tennessee, like you said, a big guy, the comps were coming in with Chris sale, mm-hmm. uh, right immediately when he was drafted. Uh, obviously, um, you hear a name like Chris sale, Johnny, and you get excited, uh, right off. Just that name alone, if you're a White Sox fan especially, uh, you're talking about a left-handed pitcher with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, rated the best fastball in this draft out of any college pitcher. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to Jared Kelly in round two. But uh, best fastball in the draft, power guy, you're thinking good move for the White Sox, right? Then you hear them come out in their interview and say, what do you project him to be? Because a lot of... A lot of scouts, a lot of people around the league, a lot of people on Twitter said he can be fast-tracked. He could be up in a relief role as early as this year, next year. Uh, but there's some third pitch uh, questions about his mm-hmm. third pitch. Um, ah, this is where we come back to the point where when asked by, I believe it was James Fegan of The Athletic, uh, the scouting director for the White Sox, Mac, or what was it, Shirley? Shirley? Yeah, Mike um, Shirley. Mike Shirley uh, said that uh, we project him to be a number three guy. And to me, Johnny, drafting in the first round using the 11th pick overall for a number three guy seems like a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, maybe they're trying to protect this guy from, from not living up to expectations or something's not right with all this. Obviously, you throw in the fact that the guy has had some shoulder soreness, Um just an interesting pick for the White Sox when you look at it. I know you've got some things to say about this too, and then I'll come back and dive in a little bit more. But I want to hear your take on pick number one, Garrett Crot- Crotchet. Yeah, so, so first of all, I just kind of wanted to preface that I was really, really hoping that um, Reed uh, Detmer, yes. the uh, pick that went to the Angels right before at number 10, I was really hoping that he would fall. Um, so I was kind of eyes on a college pitcher. So that's why I was not too 
um, in the dumps about this one. As some people, you know, as you kind of alluded to on Twitter, and then obviously the kind of expectations that they trotted out, or projections, so to say. Um, so I was a little bit higher on this, and I like, you know me, I'm a sucker for someone that's nasty. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a sucker for that. I used to pitch. Um, I didn't have nasty stuff, so I appreciate the guys that could throw it. Um, and we'll get, you know, we it was all pitchers here, uh, speaking of that, in this draft. So we'll have plenty of that to talk about. But uh, when I was watching that uh, Reed Detmer, um, he, he had just had absolute wipeout slider, curveball, whatever you want to call it. It's kind of like a hybrid these days. Uh, some of them are only just a couple it's miles like a, now. Almost like off. a slurve. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's uh, remind, reminiscent of, you know, that's why I got, you know, you say, why is Jace Fry my guy? Well, that what he showed in 2018 when he said he could do that. So, yeah. Um, I was hoping that he would have fall, but uh, when Crochet fell um, to us at 11, I was not completely devastated by the pick, but I'm also kind of tempering expectations. I think uh, it was a good preface uh, what we led with that ESPN bottom line, whether that's true or not. Either way, even if it's not 18.7, even if that's not the correct figure there, um, the White Sox still haven't done well. The uh, conversion percentage on first-round draft picks is not great. Bob over the past 10 years even like going back a little bit further than that um so I I'm just kind of more in the wait and see and I think our guy NWI Steve wrote a great article over at ontapsportsnet.com and he wasn't a fan he, he would have rather had the uh shortstop out of Mount Carmel there um it, as our pick that the ended up falling to the Cubs at 16 so uh, it was Ed Howard uh that shortstop um so, I mean, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm kind of just wait and see. And uh, I agree with you, though. The proje- it's a bad visual when it comes to projection coming out that it says that, oh, third starter, and then also you're talking about, oh, you can fast-track this guy and he could be a reliever. But on the other hand, play devil's advocate here, Chris Sale came up and he was a reliever when he first you know came up and he, for that full season afterward. So there's, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be Chris Sale. I know that's what the comp was. That's just because he's wiry and he's tall and he kind of throws three quarters. He's a got the bit. same. That's, he's got that's the kind same of delivery. That, that's what more of the comp was coming from. Yeah, I don't he's think, got you know you don't you, you and I don't think I, I heard I heard Madison Bumgarner for this kid and even yeah. if that's if we get a Madison Bumgarner out of this pick, I'm going to be happy, right? Like and and I got attacked a little bit on Twitter for coming out and saying I didn't like the pick. I didn't like the pick, and I didn't like what transpired afterwards for the White Sox. Yeah. Uh, you look at the hype with the Cubs getting Ed Howard, uh, and, and I believe they referenced it as their best-case scenario. They've got a kid that they could develop into a shortstop into being a, a star player. When the White Sox use their number 11 pick overall in the draft, and they draft somebody, and you say, what do you expect out of this guy? And you get middle-of-the-road starter as your ceiling. So if he falls somewhere towards the middle of that, Johnny, I'm thinking we've got a long reliever type guy or a 4A pitcher who can't break into a rotation. A ceiling number three guy, and yes, when you, when you, when you think about a number three guy, I know everybody's come out and said, yeah, that's like a top 50 pitcher in the league. But what if he doesn't hit the ceiling? What if yeah. he doesn't make it there? Yeah, especially with the track record. And especially the with the track record, can, yeah. I had this conversation. Legitimate with, concern. I had yeah. this conversation with uh, with Buzz before you got here uh, on the phone, and I said, outside of Chris Sale, who the White Sox got incredibly incredibly lucky with, because they basically fast tracked him, and Chris Sale told the White Sox, "Fuck off in changing my delivery." Yeah. Chris Sale was Chris Sale. They didn't touch him. 
He did what he had to do. Name the next pitcher that the White Sox have drafted and developed themselves to make it to the major leagues and have a good impact, Johnny. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been acquired via trade. You can't. Everything else has been acquired via trade. The Sox have zero track record in developing these guys. And I think that's where I get incredibly concerned about this whole thing is you go back and you look at a guy like Carson Fulmer, who was drafted by the White Sox, or Carlos Rodon. He's the closest thing in my question to being a viable answer because he's had some success at the major league level, but the guy's always injured. And even the guys that we have acquired via trade, you look at guys like Michael Kopech, Dane Dunning, those guys are going down as well. What's going on with the development of pitchers in the White Sox organization down on the farm? I don't know what it is, but it's concerning to me. And when you spend the number overall 11 pick on a guy where you say his ceiling isn't cracking the top two in your rotation, that's not great, Bob, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I just I don't like that. Uh, I look at what the White Sox did. They drafted uh, Alec Hansen. They told everybody this kid could be a number one, number two. They were unable to develop him, and he was drafted later than Garrett Crochet. Also a fireballer. I know it's a different uh, side. He's a righty, but there's no track record on either side whether or not like they're they're not great at developing lefties. They're not great at developing righties. They're just not great at developing pitching. They're not great at developing players. They're in not general. great at developing players in general. So, for you to already sell him short instead of building the hype up around him, already looks to me like you're tempering expectations, knowing that your your development staff isn't going to be able to get this guy to be a number one pitcher in the major leagues. And that should be, in my opinion, your goal. If you draft somebody top 15 in the MLB draft, you want that kid to be a stud. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, all legitimate concerns. I'll walk it back a little bit. And there's another point from NWI Steve's article is that, you know, it's it's hard to, you know, when you put those expectations there, um, and I know I saw some uh, kind of commentary surrounding it, like, oh, think like two, three. And you're talking about like a Jose Quintana type. That's what they were, you know, kind of, it, it, you know, saying for the, oh, everybody's freaking out about this projection that uh, Mike Shirley gave. Uh, what you've been addressing, the uh, ceiling number three starter. Um, people have been kind of saying that, you know, I think it was James Fegan in the thread on the tweet after that quote had come out because there was a lot of, you know, buzz around it. Um, and he had said, you know, think like, oh, you know, number two as well. Um, I agree that those are legitimate concerns. But at the same time, if you're talking about, you know, number one guys, it's like NWIC pointed out, there's 10 to 15 of those guys in the sport overall. So, I don't know if it's, you know, as much as you want to have them, you know, build up the hype and have them live up to it. Um, I don't know if it's kind of realistic. Well, so that I, I totally agree with your side of this, Johnny. I, I, I understand that mentality. I just don't, I don't like the fact that if, if you're smart enough as an organization to control your PR on the, on the sense that, Hey, let's not say that this guy is going to be the next Garrett Cole. Like, I, th- I think that's fine because I don't, I don't think you're going to get many of those guys. I don't even know if we had one in this draft that's going to be the next Garrett Cole. I don't even know if Casey Mize is going to turn into the next Garrett Cole. But at the same time, you're drafting this kid so high. And Don Cooper today on 670 The Score said, we drafted this kid to be a starter. We wouldn't waste 
a pick on somebody to be a reliever mm-hmm. that high at number 11 in the first round of the draft. And I go back and I look, and it's the same people in charge that drafted Carson Fulmer, who's now a fringe reliever on an MLB squad. And I've got to say, hey, that's a major fucking red flag for me, Johnny. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely It's a huge is. major red flag because you look at some of these pitchers that they took in the first round. It's not even just pitchers. It's pretty much everybody so far that they've taken in the first round outside of Tim Anderson that's been able to come up and make a major impact on this team. Mm-hmm. Or have you know, even Tim Anderson has major question marks with the glove right now. They just don't seem to be able to fully develop players into stars. Yeah. And that's and what it, you want out of your first-round pick. I know that the conversion rate on first-round picks isn't high anyway, but if you're going for somebody, and I don't think I've said this yet, and I know Jordan Lazowski asked me on Twitter today, who would you have taken in that situation? I'm going with Ed Howard, too. Yeah, I I personally would not have. Um, I, I disagree there. Um, but then again, my sights are more set on a college reliever. So maybe that's just my perception, my kind of thought going into the draft. I'm no draft expert, but um, I was just thinking college talent, quicker track to the MLB than a high school talent. Because even Ned Howard, um, that's going to take at least four years. I don't care how much they want to hype him up so and how much the story that's lines my, are going to surround him. That's, that's my that's my thing with Ed Howard in that, in that slot, Johnny, is that to me, you've already got shortstop locked down by Tim Anderson for the near foreseeable future. Timmy and Ed had a great relationship. Uh, the kid looks at Timmy as his mentor. If there's one player who's come out of the draft for the White Sox and actually been able to get up to the big leagues and succeed, it's Tim Anderson. And so Tim would have been able to take Ed Howard under his wing and get him through some of those those hurdles and mentally prepare him to be his successor at the major league level, I think at that point in time you have to make a decision between Ed Howard and Tim Anderson. But I think Timmy's that kind of guy that could have taken him under his wing, and you have all those problems with the, with the player development staff. If Ed and Tim are working together, you know Tim Anderson's going to rub off on him and you don't have that same type of impact or uh, just, I guess, sabotage, self-sabotage that you get out of some of these other things, I thought it would have been the perfect fit. Rick Hahn talks about sustained success and waves of players coming through. I think right now, at shortstop, you go look at what's in the system, you don't have really many promising things jumping out at you, at least all over the infield at this point in time. Like, I look through the farm system, and you're like, okay, what, what do we got? Jake Berger knocking yeah. on the door. Danny Mendick? Is yeah. he stealing somebody's spot? You know Nick Madrigal is going to slot in at second base at some point in time or become a utility guy. But there's not really anything out there that's that's knocking on the door where I feel like you still have some pitching. Yeah. Yolbert Sanchez a Yol- bit. You've got Yolbert Sanchez, but outside of that, there's not really much. The, this farm system when you look long-term, doesn't really have much there. And I know you took some pitchers in last year's draft that, you know, going back to them taking five pitchers over the last two days, very interesting because you haven't really shored up anything. You've got Andrew Vaughn at first base, but you've got a lot of position players there where you've got nobody really in the pipeline projected for that 24, 25 seasons where you're going to be in some contract years. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, all good points. Um, I, I'm going to move this along a little bit, get to uh, Garrett Crochet's stats here. Um, over 36 games, 13 starts at Tennessee. Uh, it was 132 innings pitch. He had a 10-9 record, four saves, uh, 4.64 ERA, 149 strikeouts, uh, 1.402 whip, and 10.2 uh, K per nine. Uh, that's um, what I like the most about. Yeah, that, I, I mean that that's you know that, that kind of tells you a little bit about the stuff there um, and the wipeout stuff, the uh, power fastball. Um, that, that you had previously talked about, Tony. Uh, I wanted to thank uh, Alex Rude for pointing this out on Twitter today. Uh, Mansu Lee had had the same concerns that you had and kind of aired them out on Twitter and said, you know, what am I missing here? Uh, why am I thinking this is, you know, terrible? And Alex Rude, he said, I looked through his uh, Crochet's game logs, and it looks like he had four games that ballooned his career numbers. Take those four out. And his career ERA is 3.13. Command isn't much of an issue with walks only walks per nine only being at 3.39. So if you want a silver lining there, I'm not a fan of silver linings either. But at the same time, you, you get a couple of rough outings, take those out of the equation, and looking pretty, you know, pretty solid numbers. Those there. seasons so. are shorter, and they're they're more inflated. Yeah. So. Uh, and yeah, take that into consideration. You're talking as about well. shortened seasons. I mean, all of these guys. What you have to take in consideration: COVID wiped out everything from you know, was it March on, pretty much middle of March on. Uh, you only pitched 3.1 innings uh, in the shortened 2020 season for Tennessee. Um, one other thing we had touched on earlier, but the shoulder concerns, um, that's a big issue that a lot of other people had um, with it, and it absolutely should be. And I, I, you and me and Pete Hand had some conversations about this, and I was just trying to gauge um, some things. And I had said that it could be an advantage that he wasn't rushed through and uh, you know really overexerting himself in – college world series type of really high pressure games um you can work back on a program or you know through the white Sox, you know development um system uh on the flip side of that it's is he going to be really rearing to go and overexert himself when he gets there that's what pete hand posed so both of those are entirely possible he could be more rested or he could be over eager and uh you know even cause further damage to that shoulder so um you know Overall, uh, I think you're a little bit more down on it than I am. Um, I'm kind of going to wait and see how this plays out. It's such a fucking odd draft year, well, Tony. It's it an is. odd draft year. It's I, I don't think you can have really gone too far wrong in this one. And I, I do want to point out, and I said this in the conversation with you and Pete this morning, I'm not as down on it, I think, as, as I you, make it out to be. As you publicly because, have been. <laughs> as I publicly have been because... Man, I just want to be pissed off at something right now. <laughs> yeah, and, want to feel and, like, something. I want to feel a little something. And God damn it, this is the first baseball that we've gotten all year is a draft. And I've watched so much. I mean, the coverage of the draft is subpar. Let's let's just be real. It's not entertaining. It's not exactly great. But it's the first it's baseball something. that yeah. we've had. And I just feel like you see something happen. It's not your guy. It's easy enough to, at this point in time, into the COVID-19 world that we're living in right now, to look at something and be like, we just gave up a fucking home run, and we lost the game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, that's what it feels like for me, so maybe I got a little bit over the top with not liking the pick. I mean, obviously, power fastballs are cool and tough, Johnny. Yeah, we you know discussed that earlier. We discussed that earlier. Um, and, and like I said on Twitter last night, too, to somebody who got into my replies and... 
uh, said, you know, like, why does everybody hate this kid? I don't hate Garrett Crochet. When if, if he comes to the Sox, makes it to the big leagues, and he's pitching, I'm going to root for this guy as much as I would root for anybody else in a Sox uniform when we're out there drinking beers looking for a win. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't hate Garrett Crochet. But at the same time, Johnny, I feel like it's our duty as fans to evaluate what the Sox are doing from a front office standpoint, mm-hmm. from an on-the-field standpoint, from a management standpoint, from a minor league standpoint. If you don't like the pick for whatever reasons it is, let your voice be heard and discuss yeah. it. So that, that's yeah. where we're at. Well, I, we need to move on with these draft picks, Tony, but all I'll say is the player development conversation that we'll have one of these Sundays um, will be pretty fiery and interesting so i can't wait to get to that um let's move on round two pick 47 overall right-handed pitcher jared kelly from uh, refugio high school in texas uh he's six foot three 230 uh his weight was kind of thrown around there um from various sources between 215 230 uh, i think we kind of would plug him in at the 220 225 um but anyway uh this kid was absolutely dominant in high school 32 and 3 0.43 era he had 23 hitless appearances over his high school career uh he had 0.22 era in 65 innings during his junior season uh down in texas in high school he maxes out with 100 mile an hour fastball he was the 2020 Gatorade National High School Player of the Year and he was the 12th best prospect in the draft according to MLB Pipeline Tony I think this is the consensus one that everybody could agree on this, they were fired this, up about this one I love Johnny I, love I absolutely too. love this draft pick we disagreed a little bit now we're going to agree a lot. I'm surprised <laughs> that this kid did not go sooner in this draft uh, best college fastball goes to Garrett Crochet Best high school fastball in the draft, according to, I believe it's Baseball America or uh, one of those other uh, prospect sites uh, that does some stuff uh, in rankings. But, man, this kid can bring it. Some of this stuff is just absolutely nasty. Obviously, he's playing against high school kids, so there's some there's some room there to, uh, to imagine that his stuff isn't going to play as well yeah. against double-A uh, hitters or even... Uh, major league hitters, uh, for that matter. But 6'3", 230, uh, where he maxes out at, this kid's already into his frame. He is definitely a a guy that uh, you already see him clocking uh, triple digits on the radar gun, uh, and it looks absolutely effortless if you watch him throw uh, kids in the 90s and he's not even max effort. Uh, This is a guy that you can look at at the back of a bullpen and just be absolutely lights out. Obviously, the uh, the high school stats speak for themselves. I don't care what level of baseball you're playing at. If you're at a .43 ERA with 23 hitless appearances at any level of the game, that's a major feat. That's a confidence boost. You're talking about a kid with a lot of fucking confidence mm-hmm. coming to the White Sox. I watched the uh, the call that he had with, uh, with Rick Hahn when they drafted him. Uh, apparently, the kid also has a great head on his shoulders. I I think the world could be this kid's fucking career at this point in time. Um, you're looking at another guy too, man. If if Zach Birdie does pan out, and this guy at the back end of your bullpen, you're talking about some fireballers you had there, and we've already got some starters who we're talking about in the back of that bullpen too. 
I mean, look out for the 2023-2024 White Sox right now. <laughs> yeah. That bullpen's going to be absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. My, my first uh, take on this was, Tony, I said he's throwing absolute fucking smoke. And I'll go back to that line again. Power fastballs are cool and tough, and this kid has it. Um, like you had said, it... it you talk about the draft when you're watching it not being all that entertaining. I was entertained when this kid's highlights came on, Tony. Yes. Um, he's bringing it. He absolutely bringing it. That's the best way that I can put it. And once again, we will t- I'll take it with you know the slightest grain of salt because it is high school. But to be that dominant, like you had said, at any level, um, and it's obviously reflected in being the 2020 Gatorade National High School Player of the Year. I know some people will point back to, I think it was Courtney Hawkins was that. Uh, I think in 2013, um, back when the White Sox had uh, taken a high school pick. But, you know, his second round here, I also uh, am astonished that he fell uh, to where the White Sox were in that second round. But I am damn glad that he did. Um, it's I'm excited to see this guy develop, Tony. Um, it, it might take a little bit longer uh, because he is a high school arm. But... Um, God forbid, uh, Tommy John. That's one thing that I, you know, the negative 90 here, first thing that comes to mind is that if that's going to happen. But, uh, man, the, the I think you said it best that he's got world of potential ahead of him. So um, definitely could see him as a lockdown type in the back of the bullpen. All right, let's move on. Round three, pick 83 overall. Uh, right-handed pitcher slash utility man, Addison Coffey. Uh, he's from Wabash Valley College in Illinois. Um Six foot two, hundred ninety-five pounds. Uh, his versatility in the field, at the plate, and on the mound. Um, but we've been hearing some things that this guy could be a non-signee, uh, maybe one that they are drafting and they're not signing to save that money. Tony. Yeah, I, I'm not sure on this one. Uh, obviously, not a lot only, about him. Only, honestly, not there was a, not, not a lot about him. There was no picture available when he was drafted on ESPN. Uh, interesting pick here. Uh, we we found a picture of him in a White Sox hat. Obviously, he's from uh, yeah, some, uh, college in yeah. Illinois now. This is making a little yeah. bit more sense. This is one thing I just wanted to, you know, going back on his track record. I, I don't know exactly what the situation was because there wasn't a whole lot of information out there. But he, had, I believe he had initially committed to Arizona State and then had gone back to a community college and then was going to move on to Louisville. Yeah, I believe that was the thing. There were there was some things here about Addison that that just raised a little bit of question mark in my mind too. Uh, the only guy uh, that the Sox drafted that might not wind up a pitcher. I, I think the, the the picture that we used in our article, he was obviously playing some uh, position in the infield. Yeah, I think um, it was a high school picture, so yeah, he probably playing some it, third base there. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, with Coffee, but. Um, I like what I saw in the in a little bit of video that I got to watch of him. Uh, might be a Sox fan. This might be this kid's dream to go then sign with the White Sox. I don't know enough about him to to say much about what the potential is there. Uh, obviously, this one took everybody by surprise. Uh, but like you mentioned, versatility in the field, at the plate, and on the mound, uh, just seems like a good athlete. Um, and in the third round. Uh, not a bad pick. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, at this think, point, I'm not, I don't really have a feeling either way. I think, I think it was kind of off the wall because there wasn't a whole lot of info, intel out on this guy. So um, if that's true, uh, what we had kind of seen, the, the rumors floating, I could legitimately see him being you know, a non-signee. Um, I honestly think that maybe the 
uh, overall thing that ends up happening here, and then they use some of that money towards uh, in a couple of days when this uh, undrafted free agent pool opens. Um, I think that could very well be because yep. we heard rumors that um, reports that Jared Kelly, the second round pick, had pretty much already had a deal nailed out with the White Sox. Yes. So they were pretty set on that. And then I think you had told me that uh, Crochet was going to get his uh, his full his, slot value. His full slot value. That, so. that came from James Fox. Yeah. Uh, I saw something about him getting the full slot value. I had a little bit of a question whether or not uh, Crochet, uh, Crochet was going to be a under slot pick for the White Sox there. Uh, it's looking like no, uh, but Jared Kelly, I mean, dude, kid could have been drafted in the first round, uh, number 12 overall, by the uh, according to MLB Pipeline. I thought you'd have to go under slot somewhere, save that money in order to get Kelly here. Just surprising Kelly fell to the White Sox. If Coffee's that guy that you have to give up uh, just to make those two signings, I'm, I'm probably okay with that. Yeah, me too. All right, let's move on. Uh, round four, pick 112 overall. Right-handed pitcher, Cade Meckles from Grand Canyon University. Uh, he also spent one season at Western Oregon. Uh, he's five foot 11, 185 pounds. He had a 14-3 record, 2.08 ERA, 1.033 whip, 10.8 K per nine, over 129.2 innings and in 34 games over his collegiate career between Western Oregon and Grand Canyon. Um this kid, I, I, I like uh, the little bit of, you know, there's only little bits of video, especially for some of these schools that aren't as big. You know, they don't play on like SEC or Big Ten Network because Grand Canyon University is out in Arizona. I know baseball is a little bit different than like your standard basketball or football, but still, even then, uh, limited video. But from what I saw uh, of it, I, I did like what I saw from this kid. Um, I think you could be talking about um, a legitimate reliever, a legitimate middle reliever that you can rely upon uh that, that would be my kind of projection here i don't know about you yeah i mean at this point round four uh you're looking at somebody who can sneak out of the woodwork here but uh you like the peripherals on this one 14 and 3 with a 2.08 era uh not a, a lack of innings there either with uh 129 two-thirds um so He's got some stuff that plays. Obviously, not the biggest kid at five foot eleven, one eighty five. It's pretty much where I'm at, and I'm completely <laughs> out of shape. Uh, so you know, I, I'm actually a little bit shorter than that. But um, you know, I'm just looking at this kid right there, just from the the one eighty five, five foot eleven. I'm thinking I have a chance to make the major leagues, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Cade <laughs> uh, Meckles will be an interesting one to watch. I think you know, um, given I just I have a feeling that. Addison Coffee is not going to be signed by the White Sox. So you get this kid for, you know, Cade Meckles, um, get him in the system, see what he can do. Um, he could be a sneaky guy. You know, you talk about uh, guys that fly under the radar. Uh, I think this could be one of them. He's not going to be your big sexy name. Like, think about the big sexy right. names in the past. Um uh, of your Michael Kopecks and uh, Lucas Giolito, and obviously those guys are required to be a trade. But when you're looking at like the prospect pool, he could be like the sleeper one that comes up and is actually really effective in the role that he has put in uh, with the White Sox. So that's kind of what I see there. Let's move on. Last one here. We're getting close to the end of the show. Round five, pick 142 overall. Left-handed pitcher Bailey Horn, junior from Auburn University, six foot two, 212 pounds. Another big guy. Uh, he was seven and three with a four seven five ERA and a two forty six batting average against over fifty five innings uh, during his time at Auburn. Um, said he was a junior. 
I only saw two season stats worth uh, on his Auburn page, and um, his I believe his freshman year was considerably better, or excuse me, maybe sophomore year was considerably better than his uh, junior season. Um, but then again, everything being cut short, you know, it kind of inflates things. So uh, interesting there, but, you know, another lefty here. Uh, we had a mix then. Uh, your first and last picks of this draft being uh, lefties, and then you got righties uh, all sandwiched in the middle there. So um, I, I like having the lefty option there. Um, I honestly don't know a whole, whole lot about this kid, but, um, you know, it, it it could be interesting to see. He could be another dark horse, a sleeper. Yeah, and you know the Sox made a statement tonight with four pitchers. Yeah, especially after going with Crochet in round one, all five of these guys pitchers. Obviously, they think that they have something right now with each of these kids that they can turn into something uh, of MLB caliber talent. Because, like you mentioned earlier, different type of draft this year with it only being five rounds you're taking these guys because you think they can make the major leagues Johnny um, so whatever they see in Bailey Horn obviously they like I like the seven and three uh, record obviously you go back to wins and losses that's a crap shoot anyway but uh, four seven five year a kid's got a good frame six two two twelve um, 55 innings pitched I think right here you're looking at a kid where this was going to be the year that determined where his draft position was going to be. So you're looking at the kid's makeup. You're looking at how he's performed uh, not only in uh, college but as high school as well. Uh, They see something they like in this guy uh, at round five, 142 overall. uh, You're taking a flyer on somebody who you think – they can develop. Yeah, I, I got two two things, and I'll start with one. Um, I, I will go to conference strength here, and the SEC. Um, I think that kind of makes him a little more attractive, um, e- even if the numbers weren't as sexy as maybe some others. There, I think you're talking about level of competition, um, and you're seeing some of the other best hitters. Uh, yep. you're, you're playing against some of the better teams in the country. Uh, there's always powerhouses in the SEC, so I think that may have helped boost his stock a little bit here. And then second of all, doesn't left-handed pitcher Bailey Horn sound exactly like the guy that's going to be the 26th man on the roster yes. when they are the doubleheader in 2023-24? Yes, it does. He's going to come up and he's going to be the long reliever or the starter in game two. Yeah, you could you could definitely hear Gene Honda saying and starting for Warm, your yeah. Chicago White Sox, Bailey Horn. Yeah, like I can, you yeah. could just hear that. Going into oh, the he, stadium he, he better right have now. A, he better have a goal horn oh, when yeah. he comes out. Just just take the Hawks goal horn yeah. and blast it when Bailey Horn yeah. comes in to pitch for the White Sox. Uh, definitely seems like a kid that can uh, just be that guy, like you said, 26 Yeah, it just sounds like it. Yeah. We're kind of going off of you. We're not draft experts here at Sox on Tap. Uh, we're here reacting to it as you are. Um, it's tough. It's tough to draft the uh, excuse me, track the draft. Um, I, I believe on night one, when uh, the even after the second overall pick was taken, we're in a bunch of major analysts and uh, draft profilers already ripping up their mocks. Pretty much. So, <laughs> so it's a crapshoot. Yeah, we did. We didn't do any real mocks here. Uh, we had some some projected picks and, and profiles over it on tap, but we're not going to sit here and try and tell you that we were experts on any of these guys before they came in. Obviously much more difficult this year no college world series to look at 
uh, no college baseball season to really look at outside of a little bit uh, that uh, they started to play before COVID-19 happened. Uh, no real high school seasons uh, played. So there's not really much to go off of this year. It's a lot of last year stuff. But with that said, I think if we're going to give this draft a grade, Johnny, mm. what, are you, what are you coming in with for the White Sox? Early reaction. Early reaction, I'd probably go with the even B. And even to a B minus, a B to B minus. Yeah, I was I was thinking somewhere between the C plus to uh, to to B range. I think that Jared Kelly pick, honestly, is it bolsters is, it. is it the does. bolster of this draft. If Kelly gets taken by somebody else and the White Sox don't wind up with him, uh, I, I you're probably looking at somewhere from a D plus into a C with the rest of everything else. Uh, I, I I think. Crochet can be something. I really hope that the White Sox are able to develop him and harness his talent. He looks very raw. Uh, but I think with Jared Kelly, you've got somebody that uh, they're going to be able to throw in there. He's got the right mindset, be able to make it to the major leagues. If there's one player that I'm looking at through this draft, it's him to be that guy that has some sort of impactful role on a White Sox team in the near future here. And I will be back on Socks on Taps, uh, you know, sometime in August 2021 uh, to say that's so White Sox when Jared Kelly has to have Tommy John surgery. So oh, there's, just, your, there's uh, your negative. There's your negative Nani. We had to get all of your Socks on Tap uh, favorites in here. Yeah, Tony, I was going to ask your favorite player, but I'm with you, Jared Kelly there. Uh, I don't think there needs to be any more discussion about it. Uh, we don't have a tinfoil hat time. We'll try to cook something juicy up for you guys on Sunday. But we do have a meatball take, so we need to get to that before we get to the end of the show. Um, I'll read it off here because Tony is the one that quote tweeted this and pointed this out to me. Uh, but I'll read off the original one. Jason Hosking, one great friend of Sox on Tap, Aussie Sox fan on Twitter, says, "Looking back on draft picks from previous years, was Jared Mitchell ever as good as Mike Trout? Maybe I'll end up uh, on Tony on Tap's meatball and take uh, for fuck's sake. Was anyone mad that the Sox didn't take Trout in 2009? Or let me guess, you didn't know how good he was. And then we get unprotected Sox coming in scorching hot." In the replies, he says, Trout had a fluke decade, hashtag bust, all caps. Tony, hit him with the meatball take. That's a damn meatball take right there. Extra spicy, loaded up on my plate. I'm eating that shit all night. Give me the thumbs because I know I'm going to have some heartburn after that one. Absolute meatball take. I know Unprotected Socks is trolling with this one, but goddamn. Oh, it's, too, mean, good. it's too good not to point it's out. It's too good not to point out. I needed a meatball tonight to wash down some of this alcohol, soak some of it up in my belly, and that was exactly what I needed. So thank you at Unprotected Socks for providing me with some spicy yeah, and, meatballs. and thank you to Aussie Sox fan for the setup there. So, um, Tony, uh, I will do a shout-out here. Uh, if you don't have one, that's fine. We'll skip to the end of the show. But Sox on Tap shout-outs. Mine, uh, I kind of shouted them out earlier, but Alex Rude at arude 8 on Twitter uh, for providing that insight and going and looking through those game logs of uh, Garrett Crochet. Uh, made me feel a little bit better about it. Uh, I'm still going to kind of be in the middle about it. But, hey, um, that, that did give me a little bit of glimmer of hope, and I think it did um, for anybody that saw his reply to Man Suli's tweet. Um, it, it kind of at least put into perspective that um, it, it's not like this guy was all over the place and wild and letting up runs like crazy, and it was just wild, you know, free-range arm out there. I think it gave it a little bit of perspective. Uh, and kind of nailed it back down to what he can be. So uh, thank you, Alex Rude. You're my Socks on Tap shout-out tonight. Tony, you got one. I've got a few, and just because, you know, nothing really special here, but I got to shout-out our guy, White Sox Sale, again, just because 
Sales the man. I've got a shout out for uh, NWI Steve for writing an excellent article today. First round freakout. For the first round freakout. I am one of those guys that was mad online. And I know I'm more logical under normal circumstances. Or maybe I'm not. I'm probably not. At but times. at times, I get a little meatball takey myself. And uh, I think it might be a meatball take to say it was a bad pick with Garrett Crochet at number 11. That might be a meatball take. If you want to put that back in the meatball take section, that's fine. But uh, NWI Steve, he wrote a great article about you know why to look, or not why, but how to look at this yeah. and he from gave, a rational he, he gave perspective. Too. He gave comps. He gave comps. He went to bat, like he went up to bat, and he was prepared. He had his scouting report done, and he knocked that ball out of the park with that article. If you haven't read it, go check it out at ontapsports.com. Uh, but White Sox sale, just because I've seen him uh, in my replies and mentions lately. Uh, shout out Sale, and then shout out Steve. Uh, he also came by last Saturday uh, before a lot of other people got here, and uh, Steve and I got to share some beers and talk some White Sox baseball in the garage here that we're recording this podcast in. And it's just been a great time in my garage. It's almost like a mini lot B at this point in time. I've seen everybody. Yeah, it is. Uh, so, you know, uh, shout out to both those dudes, uh, both excellent dudes if you're not following them, uh, at NWI Steve and at, uh, I don't know, what is it, uh, Sale, uh, White Sox Sale. At yeah, White Sox, White Sale. Sox Sale. Yeah. All right. Uh, that was the draft recap episode of Sox on Tap. Buzz ain't here to do this, so I'm going to do it now. Make sure you're following on Tap Sportsnet on Twitter and following us at Socks on Tap. Please make sure if you enjoy the podcast, go subscribe, rate, and review five stars wherever you listen to it. Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you can do that stuff. Please, we would really appreciate it. Uh, and hit us with any feedback that you have on Twitter. Uh, if you listen to this episode and you have any takes that you want to bounce back off of us or argue with us about, uh, we would love to banter with you guys on Twitter. Also, make sure you're following at Excuse me. It's just on Tap Sportsnet on Mixler. You can go and search that. Find us there. Whenever we do a live show, uh, we do usually do those for our Sunday fun days. We probably end up doing those if baseball returns. Yes. Do some post games. We can do some live shows. So you follow on Tap Sportsnet on Mixler, and you will get a notification whenever we go live there. So that is all for today's business. We will be back with the Sunday fun day episode. The full crew, me. Tony and Buzz. Tony, got any final words before we sign off? I'm sad this is over, Johnny. I love the fact that it is midnight right now on a Thursday, and we're talking White Sox baseball in my garage. I've absolutely missed doing this during the weeknights. I've missed doing this almost every day. This has been a pleasure, man, talking actual White Sox news. In the middle of summer, we've got beers flowing. It's been a good time. I can't wait till the next time we're able to do this on a non-Sunday fun day talking about White Sox news, Johnny. I don't know about you. Hey, I second everything you said, Tony. I need another beer, though, so we need to get the hell out of here. Let's close it down how we always do. Let's go White Sox. White Sox forever.